Good evening, and welcome to another edition of No Lights Paranormal Podcast, where three nerdy paranormal investigators sit down and discuss spooky stories from the web. My name is Joe. I'm the lead investigator. My name is Teresa. I am the researcher. I am your Baba Yaga enthusiast and your equipment setter-upper, Alex. Equipment setter-upper. I do like that. <laughs> almost makes you sound like a rotor-rooter. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I'm tired of saying tech wizard, all right? like. Yeah, I get you. I'm not an engineer. I'm not really a wizard. I'm just a user. I'm a tech user. <laughs> Alright, Tron. <laughs> I'm a tech user. Right. I love it. So, this week we have uh, the land of 10,000 lakes. Minnesota. Yeah. Minnesota. We're going to Minnesota. Which I love. I, I love this. So, um, my story is phenomenal, and I love it, and it actually has lots of funny little tendrils of tie-ins to all kinds of other shit, and, and it just makes it even more cool. So, yeah. Yeah, one of the very few states I've looked up in doing this where I didn't find a haunted road. So, good job at taking care of your roads, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh, so much history. So much amazing history. Absolutely loved doing this research. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> Yeah, before we get started, do we have uh, anything to talk about? We're talking about, like, announcements and Yeah, whatnot? announcements. we have any? Uh, so, <laughs> after a long discussion and last week's discussion, uh, I do think that it goes without saying that we will go ahead and confirm our future plans. Uh, in January, towards the end of January, we will be at Madison Seminary again. Mm-hmm. Uh, our second visit for my birthday this time for your birthday uh, and since we got on the topic of birthdays uh, Joe what is it again that you've decided for your birthday which is in April I have picked the granddaddy of them all Waverly Hills Sanitarium Sanatorium Sanatorium whatever same we are with going to Waverly I'm so excited to go back there I yeah. can't even freaking begin to tell you oh my gosh no and that's the kind of reason I, these guys kind of made fun of me like oh Joe went big if he you did. met me, I go big sometimes. It's just my personality. It's true. Don't take offense. No, uh, totally and, and what I can say is that Alex has a competition complex. He does. And is mine. Joe, <laughs> Joe, Joe said Waverly, and I said, how do I even keep up with that, let alone get ahead of it? And uh, for my birthday in July, we will be uh, attending Trans-Allegheny. Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, to be specific. Yeah, the place that hurts you back. That's right. That's right. <laughs> that means it cares. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sharing is caring. But yeah, no. Um, so there's our year in a nutshell. Right. <laughs> we, uh, and, and yeah, so um, I don't think that Alex actually got up those choices for... Uh, shirts that we were talking about on last week's uh, show, I did but not yet. he will get, get those, those up, up today. Yeah, apologies, guys. We've had a crazy week ahead of us, or just got done with. Oh, um, shit, dude. Yeah, it's been insane. Uh, but we do apologize. We underst- I listened to the recording last week and heard some weird variations, so we do apologize for the audio flex. We have hopefully corrected that. Yeah, I don't know if it was um, some crazy reverb or echo or what the heck was going on. Yeah, we were just um, watching the Browns game, that's all. Also, what I will say <laughs> is just so that you guys, our faithful listeners, are aware, uh, Alex has two jobs that are both full-time hours, so... Uh, and I have no idea why he's talking to him about himself in the third person like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so strange to me. The point is, um, 
the days that I am busy, I am super busy. So what I will say is with the shirt options, I need to create extra shirt options. So they will be by the end of the week. Okie dokie. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm fairly certain that people understand busy life, yeah, especially when you add on more stuff. We all have fun, um, you know. Because, yeah, you're working two jobs. My job takes a lot of my time. Ugh. I barely have any time to myself on it. Uh, your new job, you're starting a lot. So, yeah, we my, all have full-time my, jobs, two full-time jobs. I, so, yeah, we're busy. I absolutely love my new job. It's phenomenal. Um, I can't say enough good things about it. I, I am really enjoying it. Yes. Um, never, ever, ever wanted to. Chances are good I'm just going to die there. So, you know. But first and foremost, we do love what we do, and we love you guys for listening to us. So the podcast will not falter because ever. of our full-time jobs. Ever. <laughs> so, no, just some of the extracurriculars right. may or may not happen fast. Uh, so we apologize. I also but wanted to say that we just signed up and got a YouTube channel. Um, yeah, yeah, we, got, we have a YouTube channel now. There is no content on it at this moment. Hmm. Um, with that said, though, I would like to start doing all kinds of things. For starters, I would like to upload all of our episodes that will have, you know, just whatever little generic video YouTube decides to put with them, or if we think of a generic video, is you know, obviously, we're a podcast, which is no video, or, so. I would yeah. upload people getting hit in the face by ghosts. That'll be hilarious. That would be super, actually. <laughs> I always found people getting hit in the face hilarious anyway. So. I mean, I agree with that. <laughs> Either way, you can expect some short videos. Uh, and bonus some, content. Yeah. Maybe just us doing little little fun, quirky, interviewee type things. And, and it'll really test the theory of I've always been told I have a voice for radio, but not the face for TV. So it'll, it'll test that theory. And <laughs> if the camera adds 10 pounds, I'm in huge trouble because I'm already a fat kid. So that's going to be fun. So Minnesota <laughs> <laughs> Yes, guys were like, that's a slippery slope. Nope, go on. No, it's okay. I don't mind. There's lots of fat people out there. I'm one of them. But yeah, Minnesota is where we're at this week. So yeah, no, all I was saying is we do have some big things planned and in the works, uh, but we can go ahead and hop right into our episode of Minnesota. Minnesota. Yes. Um, yeah, so I'll start things off. Let me get the thing going here. Um, yeah, just looking at the stories, like there was, like you said, there was a whole so bunch much. of history there that was just like, oh my god, mm. how can I pick one? Exactly. I actually did find one that was really interesting. It just didn't give me any credence to pick it. It was the uh, Greyhound bus barn. Oh wait, yeah, I read about that one too. Yeah, but there that was really actually, was very few details. Right. I, I tried to look um, it up and couldn't find anything. Same. In it. But it was just a really cool, interesting story. Like the, the like, who would have thought a bus would have been haunted? Right. But right. that's actually pretty cool. But I ended up going with the Glensheen Mansion. I believe I'm saying that correctly because this is Minnesota and things aren't hard to pronounce there. Um, right, thank God. So. <coughs> and he's got the cough this week again, guys. I always have the cough because, yeah. Uh, so, let me get into it. Minnesota is host to a number of unsettling places that give off an eerie vibe to all who pass through them. We have haunted hotels, restaurants, and roads, but no place is more famously spooky than Deleuze Glinchine Mansion. Ooh. Rumors have found this home for decades, but tours of the mansion famously leave out any mention of the murders and or any potential hauntings. Still, the question remains, is the Condon Estate haunted, and if so, by whom? The strange tale of the Condon family started in 1977 with Elizabeth Condon, I believe I'm saying that name right, was found murdered in the family home. Elizabeth had been suffocated. She was found by her older sister Helena in her bedroom. Or in her older sister Helena's bedroom. Elizabeth nurse Velma 
was also found murdered. So two murders right off the bat. Uh, jewelry and other items found missing after the murders were later worn by Elizabeth uh, Elizabeth's do- adopted daughter, Marjorie. Getting tongue twisted. Uh, many speculated and still do that Marjorie was the murderer. However, there was not enough ed- evidence to convict her. The police let her go shortly after the arrest. Years later, Marjorie's second husband, Roger Caldwell, pled guilty to the murders in exchange for a lesser sentence. I don't know why people do that, especially if you didn't do it. Yeah, if you didn't do it. like uh, in, yeah. in, in his 1988 suicide note, Caldwell claimed his innocence. Ever since, there have been reports of ghosts or two hauntings in the Glensheen mansion. Of course, the claims can't be verified, but there has been some interesting sightings. Guests and passersby report seeing apparitions of two women standing in the upstairs window. The window is most often sighted is the one belonging to the bedroom where the murders took place. Uh, a black shadowy figure has been seen in the basement, which black shadowy figures tend to hang out in the basement. Hold on, I may have to sneeze. <laughs> Pink and purple elephants with yellow polka dots. Okay. All right. Sorry about that. Uh, could it be a ghost, or is this story just a product of someone's imagination? Because, as you know, with murders, a lot of imagination hits, and your and mind goes yeah, everywhere, goes and you have speculation mm-hmm. on who is doing what, who to who, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond these spooky sites, other signs of the hunting has been discovered. For example, lights in the sprawling, sp- <coughs> sprawling estate has been said to flick on and off on their own, and some have observed, uh, observed objects moving on their own. A- even strange and otherworldly mist have been reported in the library. Some believe that Elizabeth visiting her favorite part of the home. We may never know the truth about the Condon murders or about the chilling ghost story that has sprouted up along with it. The murder at the Glinching Mansions remained one of Minnesota's most well-known mysteries. But the notoriety of the crime, it makes sense that the <coughs> it makes sense that few other rumors cropped up along with it. Is this a real haunting or is it just an urban legend? Decide for yourself. Um but yeah, that one struck out to me because it wasn't so much about the hunting, but about the murders. Yeah, yeah. And they actually had a line in the article, which was hilarious. It said, murders, or history creates ghosts, which we've said multiple times on this, <laughs> on this podcast. So that's one of the things that struck out to me. I was like, oh, okay, this is the murders of the of the family. They're not, they're not, no one solved it. They didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, they have someone that they convicted of it, but was actually innocent of it. Is that another funky thing, though? Is like in order to close a case, you have law enforcement saying, "Hey, buddy, if you'll admit that you did this, so we can close the books." Right. It's like, really, why are you doing that? And two, with murders, don't mostly if they are the ghosts of the murdered victim, don't they typically stay stay around till they're murderer has been found isn't that most of the case or is that i mean you would think yeah if there were some sort of a fetter holding a spirit and it was you know a murder victim you would assume that the resolution of their of their case um would Would not be that the wrong person got convicted sure sure would would maybe allow that spirit to rest and has, Um, has really anybody ever looked at that on the whole i don't think that it's been a study on specifically spirits of murder victims. Yeah. Listen, um, we have a hard enough time proving that ghosts are real to begin with, let alone like actual case studies. I don't <laughs> think ghosts need to be proven that they're real. They, they I mean, I don't if you believe it or not, I don't really care. Like clearly you ain't seen the shit that I seen. Right. Well, <laughs> just, to be fair. You understand I think, the point, 
right? And, and, yeah. and good for you. Maybe for the better. Maybe I'm jaded. I actually think own. everybody sees this shit. Just some people just choose to ignore it. Refuse to admit. <laughs> and her... Um, their believability in their ignorance is astronomical. Yes. <laughs> if you see this stuff and you're not able to just be like, yeah, I saw that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, just move cool. On. It was just a branch. The wind was blowing. Yeah. There's no tree and the wind was still like, you know. <laughs> it kind of reminds a, me of our buddy John. There's a famous saying for that, right? Ignorance is bliss. Ignorance yeah. may be I don't have to worry worse. about that shit being real if I don't believe that shit's real. Valid. <laughs> see, I actually like the other one is knowledge is a curse. Mm. That one to me. I feel like both are true. Yeah. 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 I'll agree. I'll agree. Yeah. Sometimes ignorance is bliss because if you have the knowledge of it, you're cursed to know it. And Mm -hmm. you can't unsee Mm it. So, listen, sometimes when you work the midnight shift at a haunted building, you don't want to know the place is haunted. No. Yeah. You're like, I just want to go by my midnight shift and call it. See, that's different than ignorance because you know it. You're but yet you're just putting it on the back burner. <laughs> Ignorance is just like, no, that exactly. never happened. Exactly. You just saw that machine float in midair. How yeah, did you like, not? What are you talking about, dude? I mean, it depends on your uh, definition of ignorance, right? Because I am choosing to I'm, ignore it. I'm talking about the, the Webster's Dictionary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But ignorance just means you just don't know it. and Plausible yeah. deniability. <laughs> Alex is doing an Amazon credo right there. Disagree and commit. <laughs> Disagree and commit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just using the term ignore in the word ignorance. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> and I'm choosing to ignore it. Therefore, ignorance is bliss. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> so I went along uh, very similar lines is that my story has a whole lot of history to it. It doesn't necessarily have... Um, there, there are definitely deaths associated with my location, right? But it, it's a big one for it's a big check on the history thing, and it has little tendrils, like I said, that connect to all kinds of other different things, which are really, really cool. So I'm gonna jump into it, and forgive me if my story kind of sways a little bit because there's a lot of little pieces to it that I that I feel need to be explained in order for the whole picture to kind of be understood. Yeah. So mine's gonna start out. Uh, we are. Um, in a cave, a naturally existing cave, um, the feel at home, right? The Stallman family uh, founded uh, in this cave what would be the first of multiple breweries on this site. Uh, inside this natural cave, in 1855, um, aptly dubbed the Cave Brewery. The site was used uh, for multiple businesses before becoming the Smith Brewery. Jacob Schmidt, Schmidt, Schmidt. See, it's not that hard. Jacob Schmidt, <laughs> a successful St. Paul, Minnesota brewer, purchased the site in January of 1901, hired a Chicago architect by the name of Bernard Barthel to construct his very ambitious vision of a gothic influence building with several outbuildings and later that year uh, the brewery would be incorporated as the Jacob Schmidt Brewing Company um, and a new plant and a malt house uh, were erected near the existing structures. Uh, some interesting little fun facts is Jacob Schmidt had previously worked as Ham Brewery's master brewer before he founded Schmidt Brewery. Uh, and the brewery produced a non-alcoholic beverage during the Prohibition era that was called Malta. It also produced non-alcoholic beer. And rumor has it that Schmidt Brewers may have secretly brewed 
real beer during that time as well. How dare they? Can I have some? Prohibition. Now, were they labeling non-alcoholic beer as re- or that's, other way around? Were they labeling real beer as non-alcoholic? No, no. So there were there were two there were two types of beer. They were widely selling non-alcoholic beer. But then they were also brewing uh, real alcoholic beverages, uh, sort of, sort of on the down low. Um, the heir to the Schmidt fortune was their eldest son, Edward Bremer Jr., uh, who was a very successful banker. His father was a bank- banker as well as being, you know, Jacob Schmidt, founder and owner of the brewery. And at one point. Um, Edward was actually kidnapped by a local crime organization called the Barker Carpus Gang, um, who, <laughs> it was for multiple reasons, okay? So uh, the, the, the Barker Carpus Gang operated in St. Paul, Minnesota under the pre- protection of basically a mobbed up or paid off cop by the name of Tom Brown. He was the chief of police back in that day. Um, Local organized crime figures, Jack Pfeiffer, Harry Sawyer, um, and there were so many other guys that were involved in this whose names you would most definitely know if I told them and you had anything, any knowledge of, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> okay. Anyway, <laughs> points of the story. Um, these guys had actually orchestrated previous successful kidnappings, uh, and now they had set their sights on Edward Bremer Jr., uh, he was 34 years old. He was actually the president of the Commercial State Bank. Uh, and his father, um, Adolf Bremer, was the guy who owned Schmidt Beer Brewery at that time. Uh, so this was not just because of money. This also had to do with a personal vendetta. It was believed that during the Prohibition era, um, they were actually working with these bootleggers that were this man... Harry Sawyer and Jack Pfeiffer, who were part of the Barker Carpus gang. Um, when Prohibition ended, um, he pretty much cut ties with these guys because he didn't need them anymore. He could just beer, brew his beer and sell it and do what he did normally right. because it was no longer illegal. Beer and well, brew, hard to say. Exactly. <laughs> Obviously, no longer working with these guys as bootleggers, that cut a massive, massive bunch of their profits. So they were pissed. (laughs) So they decided, okay, fine, we're gonna kidnap um, this 34-year-old commercial state bank president who was also the son uh, of the man who had perceptively screwed them over. And they're like, we're gonna hold him on a $200,000 ransom. $200,000 $200,000 back in this day a was lot. insane amounts of money. Well, sorry about your luck. You're staying in there. <laughs> right? So on January 17th of 1934, Bremer was kidnapped right off of the middle of a public street in St. Paul. Uh, he had been on his way to work. He had dropped his daughter off at school. He was approached by two men. One of them was Arthur or Doc Barker. Barker repeatedly punched and pistol whipped him, forcing him into the back of the car um, blindfolded him and then he had some trouble uh, starting the vehicle but eventually they drove off later switched to another car that blood-stained vehicle was later recovered leading to fears that Bremer had been killed thankfully for him he had not 
he was being held captive in Bensonville, Illinois, uh, where he was kept in a small room and told that his family would be killed if he said anything to the police. He was also told to provide the associate and former chauffeur Walter McGee through Tom Brown, the gang learned that McGee had informed the police despite the gang's uh, demand that he should keep quiet. Uh, they threatened to kill him and Bremer. Uh, his father refused to pay the kidnappers unless there was proof of life. So Edward was forced to write another note pleading to be returned to his wife and children. Um, at this point, they received the note. His father attempted to reduce the ransom money. Uh, Fred Barker became completely enraged and suggested that they should just kill him. Um, but okay. his, his buddies, Arthur and uh, Carpus, completely overruled him, said, no, we're not going to kill him. Uh, in the end, the two hundred grand was um, paid by dropping off a bag full of cash, which was collected by George Zeiger. Uh, and, and this is an interesting little titty bit. Um, Edward was driven to a deserted road by Ziegler and released on April 7th. This man was left on an empty road with a small amount of cash in his pocket and was forced to make his own way back home. This is how his kidnappers released him. <laughs> Fully clothed with a little bit of money in his pocket. Well, that was nice of him. Right? I mean, it really is. <laughs> there is something to be said for criminals back in the day. They had some panache. <laughs> criminals with morals. We gotta look. It's like, hey, right. man, sorry, here's some cash. Yeah, here. here's like a couple dollars. Get yourself a bus ticket, you right. know? <laughs> My bad, we You're got free the wrong go. Here, catch a greyhound. Exactly. We like criminals with morals here. <laughs> we got the wrong guy, sorry. <laughs> right. So after this, there was a, a whole bunch of stuff. This dudes, these guys became, you know, public enemy number one. The FBI went went insane and just got together the biggest team they could find. Uh, several of the members were killed in in other situations. The money uh, was taken to Cuba, where it was, uh, you know, the intention was for it to be laundered. Yeah. That way they could, you know, get away with it scot free. Um, the rest of the gang moved their way over to Lake Weir, Florida. Uh, Doc left for Chicago, uh, hoping that he could, you know, get into the Chicago organized crime business and become like bigger and badder and awesomer or whatever. Uh, the FBI, the FBI um, did in fact uh, hunt down and kill uh, Doc's brother Fred Barker and his mother, whom they called Kate or Ma Barker, uh, in Lake Weir, Florida. Um, lots of craziness. Lots of craziness. So uh, two of these guys, Alvis Carper, who was the co-leader of the gang, and Fred Barker, who was arrested by the FBI in May 1936, um, both of these men actually went to, got sent to Alcatraz. And Carpus uh, became the rock, Alcatraz's longest serving inmate, hmm. eventually being paroled in 1969 after decades in prison. Love that movie, by the way. Right? Uh, Barker was shot in 1939 while trying to escape Alcatraz. Uh, Sawyer received a life, life sentence. He was eventually released in uh, 1955. Very, very old, unhealthy. They released him because of his health issues. Uh, once he got home, he died very, very shortly after. Right. Um, so I thought that was an interesting little tidbit tie-in that this man is also famous for being the longest running, let's call it, citizen of Alcatraz. 
What which a is, record. Right? <laughs> which is also one of the crazy haunted places in this world. Uh, so fun little tie-in there. But when we head back, the Schmidt Brewery had been a fixture in St. Paul's West 7th neighborhood since 1855. I'll explain that look later. <laughs> um as we know, it started out as the Cave Brewery, which was the name of the natural cave. Uh, obviously, a cool, dry spot, brewing beer, best place you could possibly have. Yeah. Uh, the brewery became the largest in Minnesota by 1860, producing over 1,200 <laughs> barrels uh, annually, shipping them as far south as Tennessee. It was restructured as the St. Paul Brewing Company in 1898 before being sold to Jacob Smith. Not long after 1900, Schmidt, 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 I'm just going to call him Schmidt. No, you said it right. I just had that John Jacob Jingle Hyper Schmidt stuck in <laughs> When Prohibition shut down most Schmitty of the breweries. Schmidt Jensen. Jaeger. <laughs> in the 1920s, the Schmidt Brewery um, kept afloat by making those non-alcoholic beverages like Malta and City Club, which I had told you about. Mm. Prohibition was lifted in 33. It became the seventh largest brewery in the country by 1936. Wow. Uh, had changed hands uh, many, many times between 1954 and 1987 uh, before ceasing production in 1990. The Minnesota Brewing Company bought out that space in 91. And they started brewing their landmark beer, which was St. Paul's iconic downtown landmark center. So this stuff was actually called Landmark Beer. Apparently it sucked really, really bad because the brewery shut down for good in 2002. Wow, that was sort of making lane chart. <laughs> uh, the building <laughs> shifted still around, gears. still around, bro. Let's talk <laughs> Right? Uh, the building shifted gears and um, was repurposed to produce ethanol for Gopher State until the doors closed uh, again in 2004. Uh, it was converted in 2012 into the Schmidt Artist Lofts, and the former Keg House now is aptly named the Keg and Case Market. So it is uh, housing at this point. Um, obviously, over the years, there have been so many so many unfortunate incidents that happen in the brewery a brewery is a very dangerous place yeah believe it or not oh yeah all that stuff's combustible so yeah, yeah it's all ugly so the intrigues most most of the hauntings um that are associated with the building are actually just ordinary brewery workers who died in awful horrendous ways yeah uh in 1896 Two guys perished in an explosion. In 1902, uh, a Cooper plummeted down an unmarked elevator shaft. In 1904, Matthew Kohler, a guy whose job it was to light the gas lamps in the brewery, um, passed away from inhaling fumes. No, that's not shocking. Right. That's actually very common for that Super kind of Super common. Um, during a recent investigation of the building, um... Do, 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 do. They were in the bowels of the building, and there was an EVP. Uh, he says, let's see here. Do, 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 do. Uh, complete vindication of ghost hunting and a psychic process, and it creeped him out bad. Anyway, point to the story is that the spirits of this place still are said to be seen Um the old elevator that the one man plummeted down at that point it was a, a hidden elevator shaft that was unused oh, okay. these days it has been completely updated and repurposed and is actually a working elevator in this 
this studio for artist housing. Man, you talk about, go ahead, I'm sorry. Right? So, um, yeah, you could actually see, the, apparently, this man falling to his through... Death. Yeah. Right through your elevator car from top to well, bottom. And how's that? Just, again, just chill on an elevator and that's fucking and a guy just falls, falls through? through the elevator. Talk about <laughs> irrational fears. Elevators. Elevators. <laughs> if you're stuck on an elevator and all of a sudden a ghost just falls through your elevator, it's like, uh. And you have nowhere to go. You're, <laughs> you can't you're fucking trapped, dude. <laughs> um, and you can hear the man yelling. So, like, when the. Oh, elevator, that makes it worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, exponentially. And not even not even just when you're on the elevator and this whole thing takes place, but like if you're not on the elevator but you just happen to be near it in one of the hallways, you can hear what sounds like you know a man screaming, falling down, passing the door that you're standing next to. So obviously it's loudest at that point, yeah. and then continues. I'm gonna be long. honest with you. I I still feel like being stuck on the elevator might be worse. That would be the most. Can awful you imagine thing just being stuck on like the second floor, yeah. and like you hear the screaming getting closer and closer yeah. towards you. Yeah, and then it literally just goes through your elevator. And you're here. Yeah, exactly. Because at this point, I've dropped a load. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I done pooped him. Yeah, right. exactly. Not to mention. Elevators are the worst anyway. Like, I, oh, God. I literally got stuck on one like two yeah, weeks ago. Same. Oh, oh, that blows. Not two weeks ago, but I've been stuck on one not two weeks ago. But yeah. So there's a lot more to it. A lot more to it. Uh, the man who uh, passed away from inhaling fumes can still be seen making his rounds with a long uh, match stick that yeah. is lit yeah. so that he can go around lighting the lanterns. And he's seen sort of making his rounds through this building. And that's weird because they don't have lanterns anymore. So what's he going around? Yeah, he's. I, I I have to assume that he is a residual. Right, right. Uh, I don't believe there. I haven't been able to find any accounts of him actually interacting with anybody. Yeah. They just simply see him with his long lit matchstick making his rounds. Oh, that just sparked something interesting in my head. If he's going to, like, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to take away from your story. No, go. But if he's going to where the lanterns used to be, but there are now light fixtures there. Mm. Then it would make sense that he's residual. But if he's going around to where the lenders weren't and lighting the new light fixtures, would that denote intelligence? So what I am to gather is that people have seen him um, stop as if he's lighting a lamp that yeah. no longer exists. Okay, okay. So it does seem yeah, like yeah. he's on residual. repeat from the past. Yeah, I got you, okay. Um, lots of other interesting stories about um, the two people who perished in the explosion uh, can be seen and heard in one of the back rooms. It used to be a brewery. There used to be like a combustible chamber in there that was used for uh, what is the fermentation process. Yeah. Um, and that's actually what exploded. So it's easy to do. <laughs> right. So these two, these two gentlemen are, are often seen in there and you can actually hear them. Uh, pounding like they're pounding at a door yeah. and screaming for trying help to, to try out. to get out yep. of this room. Um, there is a woman spirit who is seen walking down hallways, which makes no sense whatsoever because during the history of the building, there is no accounts of a woman passing on the premises. Um, that how dare they assume? Yes, exactly. We don't. We don't know. We, nobody. Nobody seems right. to know where this woman comes from. But she can be heard um, humming a pretty song. Uh, the smell of lavender 
sort of sort of moves down the hallway as if it's you know following something so obviously she she maybe had perfume that was lavender or something like that so she's just just this beautiful little spirit just humming and walking down the hallways um, with with the smell of lavender trailing behind her and no one's real sure where the heck she came from singing while she's doing it yeah she's just humming her way down the hallway eerie as hell right apparently it's beautiful humming though she has a beautiful voice yeah. and it's you know who else had beautiful humming sirens i mean that's true actually that's so true uh, <laughs> um there was um oh also jacob smith who was a bavarian immigrant originally he had settled in saint paul um, and then began to make the, the beer as a joint member of North Star Brewery, which was located on the Commercial Street in Hudson Road a little bit later, blah, blah, blah. Um, nine years after that, and this man, this man was just associated with it, he was um, uh, grabbed up by the police and detained, but never actually charged. Allegedly, there were uh, two rich, yeah, two random pigeon hunters. Uh, that were docked on a riverboat out back of the brewery, and nobody's real sure why, but apparently he shot these guys and killed them. Yeah, no, okay. Yeah, don't don't know what that was. Um, Sky's blue, <laughs> right? Grass is green. In the 1890s, uh, Schmidt Brewery was officially born. A year later, it burned to the ground. Uh, at the height of prohibition, in 38 is when Edward was kidnapped. Uh, it's just there's so much there's so much fun history and I mean we're going back talking about like the Ma Barker gang and these guys the longest running inmate at, at yeah. I mean, this is just this is good shit right this is good history right, right. here and ghosts I love it all <laughs> <laughs> I just saw that weird kink unlock above your head <laughs> that's right right some people are into you know whatever me, I'm into history and ghosts. Fellas that are listening, take this as a lesson. You uh-huh. want your wife to leave you alone for a little bit? Just find that weird kink that'll keep her busy for hours. There you go. <laughs> Just tell her to go find a ghost story. Here. <laughs> Here. We're doing Minnesota this week. Figure it out. <laughs> and go. I love it. All right, Alex, let's hear your story. Uh, all right, so mine takes a actually so there's weirdly similar tie-ins, but mine takes a completely different path than you two story. Shocker. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, you did the building, she did the brewery. Um, uh, mine actually kind of quite a bit ties into a lot of the things that we were talking about last week. Um, so in looking for haunted locations in Minnesota, uh, generally, you know, you start with the top lists and work down from there and yeah. see if you can find something that you're into. Uh, well, I found an article on 106.9 K-Rock, which is apparently... I saw that one. ...one of their radio stations up there. Uh, but uh, it says, don't explore these five haunted Minnesota trails alone. Yep. Love. Uh, so I started looking at the trails and I was like, you know what? We talked about last week how, you know, sometimes it, it doesn't have to be a professional thing. It's something to get started. It's something to get your feet wet. Like, right. and even if you don't take equipment, that's fine. So I was like, well, let me just, let me go this route. Let me, let me take a starter route. You can go here. It's fine. <laughs> it's safe. 
fish legal? <laughs> safe fish. <laughs> I can't say safe fish. I don't know the area. Right. Uh, by the sounds of the trailhead, by the sounds of the area, maybe you shouldn't go there. I don't know. Um, so, <laughs> uh, the place that I picked uh, is in a small town called Thief River Falls. Maybe you shouldn't go there alone. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I... Hey, there's one thing you can like say it. about a thief. They're always willing for you to be prosper. Uh, which this is, this is found in the northwest area of Minnesota. Uh, but also, the trailhead that we found is Dead Man's Trail. So maybe you shouldn't go there. Thief River Falls, Dead Man's Trail. Just, you know what? Stay away from it. How I did you get safe-ish? <laughs> yeah, safe-ish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because apparently it is like a national park up there. Like it is a, yeah, no, a legit trailhead. You can go. It's fine. Um, and like I said, just, you know, go check it out during the daytime. And then if you're feeling comfortable with your friends, go back at night. Check it out. See if you hear the noises they say you hear. Um, <laughs> so the point is, Thief River Small Falls is a small town in the very far reaches of northwest Minnesota. So, also probably don't do it in the winter, because I would assume that northwest Minnesota is freezing it's cold. It's The town is most known for its two rivers, the Red, the Red Lake River and the Thief River, that meet within the middle of the town. Uh, these rivers have had a big impact on the town's early development. In fact, it is from these rivers that Thief River Falls gets its name. Uh, one of the original stories was that there were a band of Dakota Indians that once secretly occupied a section of the river. And, Joe, you'll, this will entertain you. When the Ojibwe found out, <laughs> they forced the Dakota out of the area and gave the river its new name. Did they punch them in the gut? <laughs> <laughs> Only if they misrepresent themselves. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Long story with that one. We'll tell you one day. Uh, so, <coughs> one common story is that the trailhead was once used by a man who was wanted for murder. Uh, to escape punishment, he hid from authorities in a cave along the river. Uh, while there is no cave along the river today, many speculate that it could have been filled in with large rocks and soil, uh, and there tends to be, I guess, what they called a creep factor in one specific area of the trail. Mm. What's um, his name? What's it? I said, what's his name? You said the creep. creep. What's the creep's <laughs> name? <laughs> uh, no. So that's the problem. And I did look in many places. Uh, the guy that was wanted for murder, I couldn't find his name anywhere. Really? Oh, wow. I could not. Yeah. Uh, and I figure, you know, if that's your story, like... That should be somewhere. Right. So, to be fair, I mean, it might be one of those... Speculation kind of things. Yeah. It might be one of those crybaby bird stories, right? Yeah. Folklore, I guess. Yeah. It might be... It might teeter on the folklore-ish. Uh, but that said, uh, I can't discount it because there's certain places where we go where we know that, for instance, the indentured Irish servants, right? Mm. Um, yeah. We're paid very little. Uh, we don't know their names, but we know that when one of them passed away, they basically got kicked off into the canal system and said, this is where you're buried now. Yeah, so, much. you know, 
when we have friends that have literally gone through the parks that we go through and they've seen like you know just a guy in coveralls and old school 18th century doesn't gear match anything that with a lantern yeah. like we don't know their names yeah they just what's your name they're whoever they are um that said, the more popular story is about a Native American woman. Again, ironically, I couldn't find a name, but back then, records are really hard to... Right, they didn't really keep records. Uh, ...who was trying to escape from the people chasing her, slowed down by her newborn baby. She hit it near the river and kept running. Uh, when she returned for her child later, she found that it had been swept away by the river. Uh, and apparently, nowadays, hikers report seeing her apparition searching for her baby. And if you listen carefully, you can hear her cries. That's awful. So. It's my rendition. I right. mean, it's just one of those things where I was like, you know what? Let's talk about something simple today. Let's talk about, you know, somewhere where maybe it starts out as folklore. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. <laughs> Actually, that's one of the things I loved is looking up a little bit of folklore. Hi, you're coughing too. Um, looking up a little bit of folklore and then finding out that a lot of it was based on actuality that right. just eventually turned into folklore. So, yeah, it uh, could be one of those things. Right, and the thing about being vague is, like, there's no real for sure fire way to say this is right. or this isn't. Right. <laughs> Astrology. Well, I'm not seeing anything historically about the... I decided to go ahead and search for the murderer because, you know, I'm sitting right here with my computer. Because um, she's like that. Because I do that. It's true. And I'm actually not seeing anything about that. But the one thing that it did pull up is um, a Thief River Falls man uh, was indicted by the grand jury uh, da, 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 for the murder of another man outside of a digi-key which apparently is an electronics store, uh, in May of this year. I doubt that was it. Then. No, for sure no. <laughs> that, that, was, that wouldn't be the haunted story. Huh. Okay, so again, going back to that safety thing, maybe, you know, make, no. sure, make sure some people are with you. It's so electronics store. They can have time travel. Thief River Falls kind of has a bit of a... Of a thing I mean, on. to be fair, I didn't see that they had a super high crime rate. And actually, some of the articles were like, hey, this is just a happy little small town. And yeah, no, not I, to mention, we don't really know why people name things the things that they name them. <laughs> like, uh, here's another really, really nasty uh, murder that was uh, recorded Thief River Falls, January 6, 1969. Um, that might have been around the area of... T it's one of those things where, like, so, you know, it didn't say when this happened. Right. Yeah. Well, like you said, they don't really keep records back then at, at all. And if somebody died, and I hate to say this, but back then, if you died, you were just another person on the wheel. Like, yeah. Get, just right. chuck them aside. Who cares? We got another person to take their place. They, they didn't oh, really value Jesus. that. But the biggest point for me was, look, this is one of those places where you can go yourself. You can check it out. Like, there's not, like... Uh, check your local laws and listings, but I uh, like there's not like a building where you have to go through to get right. permission to get into the building and pay right. money to see it overnight. It's uh, just there, like there are actually quite a few more. We're not murders in the Thief River Falls area. You remember what I said, guys? This is your this year. Uh, this is how you do it. Uh, in, in in the year, find yourself a wife that goes down the rabbit hole. Yep. In the year 1900, there was uh, a 12 year old. Um, African-American girl who was murdered and her body was left along the river. Um, goodness. So we've disproven safe-ish. <laughs> in October. 
Oh, there's a good 50 years apart, so, you know. <laughs> October of 1915. Um, there's a pattern there. There was a three-year-old girl who was murdered along the river. All right, well, this isn't a true crime podcast, so we can stop now. Like, Point is, the river's probably haunted. <laughs> You've proven your point. <laughs> I love how every week you guys show your marriage. It's hilarious. <laughs> We do what we can. We do what we can. Yeah, I know. Happy wife, happy life. Let her rabbit hole. It's fine. Matt, Matt, I know you're laughing too right now. <laughs> but either way, if you feel safe, if you're with your friends, go check it out. It's fine. Uh, to be perfectly fair, despite all the crazy shit that I just yeah. read, uh, it does seem like this is, is just sort of your quintessential American small town. <laughs> Uh, does seem like a, a decent place. Does have a very, very low crime rate. Um, murders happen everywhere, folks. And also to harken back, it's it's just a nice little trailhead, all right? No, I just love how you said that. Like, no, I just read off a whole bunch of murders, but you know, it's, just ignore that. That. it's a nice place. <laughs> despite that, it looks it's like a nice murdery place. It's fine. A nice, deathly little village. I, I mean, to be fair, there are certain people as far out. As far out as the trail that we go to yeah, yeah, is, there are certain people that still class that Akron. And they're like, that's yeah, I won't go it's there. unsafe. That's not safe. Uh, I'll put it this way: like, <laughs> it's weird because I grew up in the city, so I'm a city guy through and through. But I find it safer to be in the city than I do out in the country. <laughs> uh, I think that's perception more than anything. I, I don't know. I can. I'm agoraphobic. I can't say shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> In, in the city, I see it coming. I know they're coming if they do have harmful intent planned. But, like, I, I know the thing with that. See, I know I, what it looks like. I know where it's coming from. I can combat that. But out in the country, you ain't seeing that at all. I am of the opinion that that is the direct opposite. Uh, in the country, I see you coming because there should not be anyone out there. And if you are out there, there's a reason. And either, you know, I see you with your bow and you're heading off after the giant buck out in the, in the back 40, or you're coming in my direction, which means something's not right with you. Again, she grew up on a farm. Ladies, gentle folks, if you're coming after me, I don't want to see it coming. That's why I like the woods better than I like farmland. <laughs> see, I, I prefer the farmland. I need to wrap why? it up. Because <laughs> I, because why? I do see you coming. And I what are you going to do about react. it? Are you fast? Chances are really good. <laughs> have you seen her run? That's fair. Never mind. <laughs> See, I am pretty fast. I retract so my previous statement. <laughs> Dude, she took off and left us. <laughs> it's true. I, I think we've mentioned that on the podcast before. Really she teleports. Mean, I'm sorry. I am not fast. I don't want to see it coming. Just well, also, me from around a tree. <laughs> also, out there on the farm, uh, chances are really good I've got my rifle very close to me. Crickets. Why did everybody just go quiet? It's I saw his reaction. I was waiting for it. <laughs> no, no, because husbands <laughs> don't do that, Joe. What? Guns exist for a reason, folks. They're t- for defense. No, I'm. Yes, but <laughs> anyway. So uh, that's my story. Sorry, hillbillies like lots no, of land and, and rifles. I'll explain now because I said I'll explain that look later when you mentioned Alcatraz. Oh yeah. We talked about the one-upmanship. We're going to Alcatraz. <laughs> Fuck it. Listen, no, we're not, I don't even know if you can. No, I don't know if you can. Or not. You can. I, 
I can't fund that trip, bro. Yeah, that's like, a good to be fair, I was just joking. To be fair, I can't afford the trip across the country to get there. That's right? so true. That's so true. <laughs> good thing is I have a lot of family out there, so we won't have to pay a hotel room call. We, we are normal people. You know, the $1,000 fee to get your 10 people into the building is not a big deal. Right. The gas money to get from Ohio to California is the bigger deal. No, yeah. I, just, oh, God, it actually might be cheaper to fly. <laughs> and that's not cheap either. Right. <laughs> Yeah, no, I was just joking about that. You said that, and that's why I gave you that look like, ooh, Alcatraz. And here we go, down this big rabbit hole. No, we're Alcatraz. not doing that because that's just too much. You know what? We could shoot for it, maybe like our tenure. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, oh, we'll, we'll shoot for a milestone birthday. In that ten one. years, I'll be 53. I might not be wanting to travel out to yeah. California at that time. <laughs> I mean, 53, what is it, like the say 50 is the new 30, right? Yeah. No. No, they don't. They, no, actually, they, they, I, you say that. I think you're the only one. Who says that? Thirty-year-olds. <laughs> I don't know who the fuck says it, but people do say it. It's like all over magazines don't, and stuff. Don't they normally refer that in the like bad tense though? No, I don't think so. I don't think <laughs> so. No offense, ladies, and I'm not sexist, but ladies might say that fifty is the new thirties. Guys do not. All right, fifty is the new eighty. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to a 45-year-old guy. There's no such thing as 30 anymore. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, I went from straight 20s to 40. I'm not sure what happened. Great. Plus, I discovered better alcohol at the time. So. <laughs> oh, my God. So, uh, nevertheless, well, there are our stories on Minnesota. I think they were decent. Yeah, Minnesota, honestly. Thank you. You yeah. gave us some good stories. I really enjoyed that. And they you know, were. Sometimes we pick the best stories. Sometimes we just like variety so that we're not, you know. So let's take a look at our podcast site. Um, Who are we doing next week? I'm already there. So... Because he knows his wife. (laughs) No. I mean, to be fair, that's one of the first things that I pull up when we start is the... I I like to be... Trying to give you credit. I like to be prepared. Prepared. Uh, so yeah, that too. at this point, what I am doing is I am making an executive decision on next week, and next week we are doing Wisconsin. Wisconsin? Why? What was the why? Because they're all still tied, so it doesn't matter. Oh, are they? So we're doing Wisconsin because I'm picking it. I was saying, well, like, why was an executive decision necessary? Because he I'm didn't saying. want to debate. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> I didn't want to debate, and I'm not waiting until Friday to try to uh, condense yeah. picking a place down to like two days. So the Badger State. I like to give it its due. Is that what it's called, the Badger State? Yeah. It's, it's the their football team. It's the football team. I had no clue. Yeah. Yeah, the Badger State. Well, I, if you're a football fan. I, I apologize. I'm not really a football fan. Uh, it's a different kind of football fan anyway. They're college guys. College. So. Yeah. Oh, college I can dig. I can dig college. <laughs> All over. All over. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I did have an interesting theory about Minnesota and the reason why they call it the land of 10,000 lakes. What's around lakes? Mm, water. Well, Limestone. Well, that and oh, good call. water itself has magnetic properties. Exactly. Well, so, yeah. Conductive properties conductive. is what I'll call and, it. And it makes sense that a lot of them, like, a lot of paranormal does happen there because of that. Like yeah. it could be a conduit for it. It could not. That's just something that I thought. Might I mean, like, oh, that makes sense. That does actually make. And it's it's so sense. weird because like before I became an actual ghost hunter, you have those thoughts like, why do they call it that? And then that's it. You and don't think anything like, oh, well, more of that. Hmm. Some some people may, some people might not. 
But when you become a ghost hunter, you look for every avenue to find something in. And granted, the old adage is if you're looking hard enough, you're going to find it. But then you have those random questions that come in your head and like, I wonder if that's it. (laughs) (laughs) This is the way my brain works, people. And I'm tired, so my brain is working extra hard. No, it's absolutely fine. So uh, one thing that I did want to go ahead and throw out there to our listening audience is that... uh, We've kind of worked ourselves about halfway around our tour of the U.S. now. I'm guessing at this point. We're somewhere around the halfway mark. No, no. no. I don't even think we're at the halfway Not mark. Not even close. We're like at the third of the way mark. Are we? Yeah. Yeah, because we were at episode eight. This is episode 32. Maybe close to the halfway mark. I'm not saying we're like dead 25 or anything. I was just no, like no, no. somewhere we're, in the general. We're going to have a discussion about this. Right. <laughs> right. What do you think of? Also, husbands, just let your wife correct you. It's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No. Mari Povich called. <laughs> yeah. I am not the father. <laughs> the point fine. that I was getting at, all right, Outside of the whole, like, whether this is or isn't the halfway, is, this will not be the only round trips thing right. we do with the states. Uh, inevitably, we will take breaks and we will go back to a couple of topics right. between A and B. <laughs> but uh, if you're one of our listeners in one of your states and you're like, hey, you guys should really check out this place, like, yeah. shoot us a message on that too. Oh, dude, let like, me we'll, know. we'll deep dive your place. Yeah. Give us, give us things to do how a love interesting stories please share we're working all the time we're lonely we need something to do exactly help us out <laughs> share with us come on now um no but yeah that, yeah if you got something that you want us to look at like we'll put our collective minds together and dive, deep dive into this Heck yeah, dude. so yeah definitely give us something like help us out a little bit yeah the point can. is I, I really don't want to leave anybody in their particular states disappointed so if like there's something that you feel like we missed and you're like yeah. this is a big one you should do like we tell will. us about it. We'll do we'll it. go back. Yeah. We'll give it its own episode if necessary. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah, I had something smart to say, but then my brain saw the handprint on the window and it forgot it. There oh, is. No. I don't even know who put that there. It looks small. Okay. Sorry, my, I was just giving a reason. So. Anyway. <laughs> So, let's go with the socials, ladies and gentlemen. Indubitably. So, you can actually reach out to us anytime you like. We are always willing to answer any questions or listen to your stories on Facebook at No Lights Paranormal. We have uh, No Lights Paranormal um, at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at No Lights Para or No Lights Ghosts. You can find us on YouTube at No Lights Paranormal. We will be adding content. Hopefully. At give some us, point. Give yeah. us some time. Give us, give us some time. And I'll let you know prior to the content actually being up there so that you, you know, can actually go look. But anyway, yeah. Joe and I work at Amazon, so give us till after the holiday season. We'll make yeah. sure some shit's up. Yeah. yeah. If you can give us till after December, that would be super cool. I'm sorry if that was loud. It came out louder than what I wanted to. <laughs> but promise, we, we have a lot of things on our minds that we want to do. Now yeah. it's just finding the time to get it done. Yeah. But either way, we love you. And remember, if you don't want the Baba Yaga to fuck with you, don't fuck with the Baba Yaga. It's or so fuck true. with it and give us something to talk about on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, please. And let us hear all about it. Pixar, it never happened. Thank you guys so much. We love you very, very much. Um, have a great evening. All right, guys. See you later. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>